the Pharisee and the Publican. Having spoken of the need to pray always and faint not, our Lord turns his attention to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. The previous parable was specifically for the disciples, and he spoke of the manner by which God would vindicate his people. This parable is for a different audience, the religious leaders of his time, and deals with the fundamental question, how is one made right with God? In other words, on what basis does God declare a person righteous and effect reconciliation with himself? If we are to pray always, how are we going to pray? Will it be a prayer of self-justification or a prayer of humility? The Pharisees were guilty of despising others and pouring scorn on people's spiritual standing before God. They saw certain types of people as having no spiritual value, of being worthless and deserving nothing but contempt. This holier-than-thou attitude was also condemned by the Apostle Paul, who pointedly asked, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In the parable before us we are faced with two diametrically opposed people, a Pharisee and a publican. The publicans were tax collectors, hated by every sector of Jewish society. They were considered the ultimate traitors, collecting revenue on behalf of the hated Romans and gaining wealth at the expense of an oppressed people. These two men both went up to the temple to pray. It is important to appreciate that both men were religious. Both sought to approach nigh to God. The Lord was not talking about men who were godless. The publican was a worshipper of God, seeking to draw nigh to God and braving the scorn of others to do so. The illustration of the Pharisee in this parable is drawn from the events recorded in Zechariah chapter 7, verses 2 to 14. Now the people of Bethel had sent Shereza and Regemelech and their men to entreat the favour of Yahweh. Their answer was, Should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself as I have done these so many years? They were asking whether they should continue their fasting for the destruction of the temple when the temple was being rebuilt. But notice their emphasis. I, and separating myself? God responded with a challenge. When you fasted and mourned, he declares, you weren't doing this to me. You were eating for yourselves and drinking for yourselves. This is precisely the same issue as exhibited by the Pharisee in his prayer. His prayer was all to do with himself and not God. What God was really seeking was justice, mercy and compassion. No evil thoughts against any. They could cry, but God would not hear. Instead, he would scatter them abroad and desolate the land, a judgment that came upon the nation in AD 70. It was the public practice of the Jews to go to the temple twice a day to attend the ceremony of the morning and evening sacrifices, first at dawn and then at 3pm. Edesheim informs us that each service began outside the sanctuary at the great high altar. A lamb was slain and its blood sprinkled upon the altar, this was accompanied by a series of public prayers interspersed with the sound of silver trumpets, the clashing of cymbals, and the reading of a psalm. The officiating priest would then enter the outer part of the sanctuary, where he would offer incense and trim the lamps. At that point, 
when the officiating priest disappeared into the temple, those worshippers in attendance could offer their private prayers to God. In this context, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He would have most likely taken his place in a highly visible location, seeking to stand as close as possible to the holy place to demonstrate his proximity to God. He stood apart from others, seeking God daily, expecting him to take note of his fasting. But his prayer wasn't really directed to God. It was directed inwards to himself. He had now become his own God. His prayer is self-congratulatory because in two verses he refers to himself five times. This is no prayer to God. He gives God no praise. He asks nothing from God, no mercy, no grace, no forgiveness, no help. God, he began, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Never were words of thanksgiving spoken with less thankfulness than these. They were boastful words. He was grateful, but for all the wrong reasons. He was all about comparing himself with others. His prayer was not what God had done with him, but what God hadn't made him. He was thankful that he was good enough to stand before God, that he was deserving of being one of God's sons. We need to be careful that we don't secretly flatter ourselves by believing that we are not so bad as some brothers and sisters and that we have something to commend ourselves to the favour of God. We are sometimes very adept at proclaiming our own goodness, frequently when we see weaknesses in others. But other people's failings do not impart any righteousness to us at all. Let us beware of the foolishness of comparing ourselves with others. The standard has been set in Christ Jesus, and any comparisons we seek to make need to be made against that example alone. We can hear the Pharisee going down to the list of people he despised. He began with the extortioners or robbers, oblivious to the fact that this is precisely what he was like. Next were the unjust, those who violated justice through their own deceit. But once again he was blind to his own hypocrisy. Then came the adulterers, yet he was a member of an adulterous and sinful generation. And last on the list, the lowest of the low, this publican. We can picture him casting his eye around him as he is praying and catching sight of that man afar off. We can hear the disdain in his voice as he so decisively condemned this man. But his prayer wasn't complete without his own self-promotion. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The emphasis was on himself and his achievements. He went further than the law demanded in that he tithed everything that came into his possession, not simply what he earned. But the heart was untouched. He had neglected the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy and faith. The prayer has now concluded, and this is the end of his accomplishments. This is the sum total of his religion. This is what made up this man's life, fasting and tithing. No other commandments came to mind. There is no sense of sin, nor of need, nor of humble dependence on God. There is no seeking of God's glory. He doesn't ask God for anything, because in his eyes, there is nothing he thinks he needs from God. 
In stark contrast, the Lord turns to the publican, standing afar off. In his own eyes, he saw himself unworthy to be near anything related to God. He considered himself akin to the Gentiles, afar off, shunned by society around him, and pushed by convention to the edges of the temple complex. The prayer of this man is drawn from the prayers of two illustrious kings, Hezekiah and David. Of the former it is written that he twice went up to the temple to pray. In those prayers was a recognition from him that there is not strength to bring forth, and that only God could save. He understood that he could not deliver himself or his people from the Assyrian, and that if any deliverance came, it could only be achieved in God's mercy. In relation to David, we find that the publican's prayer for mercy echoes the humbling plea of Psalm 51, verse 1. A psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. There were no expressions of self-righteousness in that prayer. It was, instead, an appeal for mercy and forgiveness, based on an acknowledgement of weakness and sin. Whilst the Pharisee despised the publican, David recorded the opposite. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, that would not despise. The body language of the publican spoke a great deal about his inward thoughts. He would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. He is ashamed to come into the presence of God. He is overwhelmed by his failures. He knows he is unworthy. He feels the weight of his sins, as did the worthies of old. He despises himself. The eyes of the publican were searching out the failures of others. But this man's eyes are lowered at his own shame. Moreover, he smote upon his breast. There is no reference to this kind of behaviour in the Old Testament. He begins to turn his hands into fists and pound his chest rapidly and repeatedly. This is a gesture that is used to express the most extreme sorrow, the most extreme anguish and grief. Perhaps it was an acknowledgement that in that chest beat a heart that was the source of his evil. By beating his breast, he was acknowledging where his weakness lay. Here is a man, broken with his failures, overwhelmed with his unworthiness. He is crushed and humbled. In the Greek, the Pharisee speaks 29 words, mostly about himself, whilst the publican speaks but six words. Both begin with the same word, God but there the similarities end. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, he exclaimed. All he could do was throw himself upon God's mercy. The Greek word translated be merciful is not the usual word for seeking mercy, like verse 38 later in the chapter. The word, hilas komai, means to make reconciliation. A derivative of this word is hilasterion, translated as mercy seat, in Hebrews 9 verse 5. The publican has in his mind the atoning work of God. He understood the principles behind the rituals he was witnessing in the temple courts. He understood that God would provide a sacrifice and that he had to respond in humble faith and repentance. He understood 
the righteousness of God in that sacrifice, as opposed to man's righteousness. He knew that he could never commend himself before God. He knew that God was righteous in condemning man to death because of sin. He knew that he had to identify with that offering and crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts. He knew that God could only accept perfect obedience, represented by that lamb shed blood, and that he fell short of that every day. He knew that any righteousness he could be associated with could only come from God by faith and through the mercy of God. This is no ordinary worshipper. In the original, he declares himself to be the sinner. The Pharisee thought of others as sinners. The publican thinks of himself alone as the preeminent sinner. He is not comparing himself with others. This is just an honest, inward examination of self. Here is a confession in which he sought forgiveness in harmony with God's principles of the atonement. He knew that he couldn't remain in this state and would have been like Paul, who declared that he was the chiefest of sinners, yet turned his life around to serve his Lord. The Lord's judgment would have astounded his audience. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. This cut right across their theology, that God would impute righteousness by faith without the works of the law. The doctrine laid the foundations for Paul's writing later. By underscoring the decision with, I tell you, he was stamping his own authority on the matter. This parable would have seemed outrageous by the religious leaders of the day. The unrighteous man is the one who was right with God, and the righteous man is the one who is not. This is the reverse of everything the Jews believed, everything their religion taught them. To say that a self-confessed, repentant sinner left the temple justified, rather than a self-confessed righteous man, is to completely overturn their religious thinking. The Pharisee is a self-righteous, aloof, contentious, standing as near as he can to the holy place without touching any of the people who would contaminate him. He seeks no mercy, seeks no grace, seeks no forgiveness and wants no sympathy. He is thankful that he is not unrighteous. He is self-exalted, but he goes away unjustified. The other is the tax collector. Recognising his true position before God, he sees himself as an outcast, an object of contempt, guilty of transgression, standing far away because he feels so unclean and unwanted. He seeks mercy, Indeed, he desperately needs grace, distraught that he has no righteousness of his own. He goes home justified. He's humble and abased, and he ends up being exalted. Which of these two people are we?